Right, welcome everybody to the Make More Keep More show. It has been an interesting week, has it not? We had craziness at the court levels. We had markets, a great day, a terrible day. I haven't even looked to see what it's doing today. There's talk of recession, all kinds of madness going on. So we thought this was a really good time to chat about what do you do when a market crashes? Um, what do you do in a recession? How can you come out ahead and thrive during really, really bad times, um, which may or may not be ahead? Dom, welcome aboard. For those of you that are brand new, this is the uh, Make More, Keep More. We talk about all things related to your money, keeping it, making it, growing it, protecting it. And um one of the questions I got, Dominic, as you were joining in, by the way, I'm Ron. That's Dominic of Real Biz Advisors. Dominic's got to big time us, by the way. He's got to go. Uh, I'm getting messages that he's got to go right at nine o'clock because Digital Marketer, he's on their podcast today. Does Dominic invite me to come along with him? No. You know, it's Selfish. just, it's those Bastard. times, you know how it's like you never get invites anywhere and then all of a sudden you have three invites in a row. It's just one of those. It's that, yeah. that was this week. Yeah. So, right. What are you going to do? So we got a couple of questions rolling right in here, which is one was how sure am I that we're going to go into recession? And, um, I don't really know. <laughs> uh, so, that- you know, that's what we get. That's what Dominic and I get the big bucks for is to admit is to, uh, not know. Not know. Yep. It's kind of like the stock market, you know, like what's it going to do? I don't know. It's going to go down and then it's going to go up or it's going to go up, but then it's going to go down. You know, it's just going to do its thing. But for sure, I thought we'd chat about today. Like I said, really, what do you do? First of all, Dominic, what would you say that you got to do? What, what would you say advice as far as like if there's a recession going on? I know we were talking about your big time. Um, Client, I won't say what industry. You can say that. I don't want to. I don't want to divulge company secrets and stuff like that. But I know you have a client at the very high end of the market. Yeah. So, um, tell me about their mindset and how they kind of fared during COVID and those sorts of things. Well, I think to answer your first question of like what you do, this goes back to an episode. I think if I counted this right, this is episode eleven of the Make More Keep More Show. But uh, the the we went back a few episodes ago we talked about how cash is king and i think that's one thing to really keep in mind right now is cash is king one it can cut down some volatility but there is there are going to be opportunities there are already opportunities that are popping up for any number of things and it's all going to matter whether you have cash or not to take take advantage of those things and i'll tell a story in a little bit about you know some advice i got recently when cash was burning a hole in my pocket but I think also the interesting thing is, is yeah, my, by the way, by the way, if I gave it to you, I was like, just freaking let it sit there for a minute, Dominic. Like, yeah, well, you, you don't actually, have to be yeah. fully invested at every moment of every day because opportunities will come up. And if your capital's all deployed, you miss out on them. Well, so I mean, we'll talk about it now then, because yeah, you you actually reaffirmed what it was from a, from another friend of mine who's incredibly successful, and he was said we were talking about something. And I was like, oh, I'm thinking about investing in this. I'm thinking about investing in that. What do you think? Do you want to get in on these things? And they were good investment opportunities, but he was like, yeah, I don't quite understand. Like, why is the cash burning a hole in your pocket? And I was like, yeah, but what what if we only put like fifty grand down, or what if we put a hundred grand down? You know, I'll still have cash. Like, and he's like, yeah, why don't you just wait? 
and he, and what, part of his advice was, he said, and this was about a month and a half, two months ago. And he said something effective, like basically like stop chasing deals to invest in yeah. and just be open like to deals to invest in. And interestingly enough, now the deal didn't work out, but funny enough, I was on a conference call with, with a mutual friend of ours. And all of a sudden this, we find out a family member died in a business that was, it, it's in the alcohol space, right? So a distillery, the family member had died. They're trying to offload the business in a hurry. We missed that opportunity, but I, that was when it like really clarified to me what exactly he was talking about is at that moment, I texted him. He's like, I'm in, find out more details. Let's do it because it made so much sense. Had I burned cash on another deal when I had cash for that deal? Now, like I said, it didn't, this one didn't go through, but it really was that realization for me of, hey, yeah, if you just wait patiently and just keep your eyes open, you'll find some really awesome opportunities. And that's just going to happen more and more as the, as the weeks and months progress. I mean, think about some of the stocks you may have been following for a while, all of a sudden taking a pretty big hit. Are they still fundamentally sound companies? Yes. So, you know, buy them when they're at a discount. So I think a lot of it just has to do with cash is king. And then, of course, being patient, you know, and, and not rushing into that next deal. You know, that's a really interesting thing. Uh, a buddy of mine reached out to me this week. And again, I won't say his business, but I am a, am a frequent customer of his business. And um, and by the way... Oh, so it's a weed store. I mean, that's, that's good. <laughs> Man, Just kidding. I'll tell you something. <laughs> I love double espressos, and I can slam them all day long. I like vodka martinis and Manhattans. That the other thing, man, I was just never a fan of. And sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, but yeah, it just makes me feel weird. So yeah. no, I was teasing. I was teasing. But um, but anyway, he was reaching out to me because he had sold an asset of his business for a substantial amount of money. And he had some tax questions, but he had some other questions. But the number one thing that I told him, by the way, which is what I do anytime anybody calls me um, for advice is let's get your strategy right first. Mm -hmm. Don't do anything rash. So I told him like, we got to get a couple of, let's get a couple of years of your tax returns first. Let's look at what's going on in that side of things. Let's have a conversation with you and your wife about what you guys want to happen to next. And I'm like, look, I'm going to be out of town for a couple of weeks. I'll talk to you while I'm there. But you're not going to do any dumb crap, are you, while I'm gone? Because it's burning a hole in your pocket. Yeah. So I would say, first of all, let's come back to this talk about thriving in a, in, in a, in a bad environment. This is the first thing that I would always say is, Oscar, we got you, by the way. I just saw a question roll across. We are having the actual credit queen of Twitter come on in a few weeks. Um, it's going to be rough because she cusses like an absolute sailor and she's freaking awesome and hilarious, but I'm going to have to sit her down and have a little chat with her and be like, Irene, the children, what about <laughs> the children? He's got a, a, a double E man. He's going to pick up some words that he doesn't, shouldn't be using yet. That's probably at, least, true. at least 10 years old before he starts using those words. But anyway, let's come back to this. So strategy is always first. Just because there's a recession, you can make a conscious decision that you will not participate in that recession. Literally, it is a conscious decision that it doesn't matter. You're not going to go sell your car or liquidate all your stocks. We're going to chat about what you should do in a moment. 
But it doesn't mean you should liquidate all your stocks or go get a tiny little electric vehicle because gas is at $6 a gallon. And look, there is some reality to this. I'm not being insensitive to that. But at some point, you have to realize that people make fortunes in up markets and um, down markets. And you just have to decide that literally you're not going to participate and you're going to keep your mind open to opportunities and you're not going to let the media and stuff, which is manipulative, affect you. Right. And that's not a, that's not a Trump thing or anything like that. That's literally like the media, you know, make magnifies everything and makes it a thousand times worse, which is kind of why I hate them. And um, so, so they got to sell commercial space. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a question I always love to ask in these types of markets. Like, and I think this is exactly what you're talking about. It kind of goes back to when you were asking me about my client. Is like who benefits? There's always somebody who's benefiting, no matter what way the market's going. Now, when the market is generally, and when I say market, I'm referring to like real estate and stock market, and like any market is going up. Any market. Any it's market. as a buddy of mine said. I think I said it on the show one time. A buddy of mine said on a interview I did for a, a conference a few weeks or a few months or excuse me, a couple of years ago now, right at the beginning of uh, COVID. He said we've all been bowling with the bumpers up. Right. In essence, if Ooh, you just throw, I remember right. when you said that. Yeah. If you throw the ball down the middle or if you throw it somewhere down there, you're going to probably hit some pins because it's going to bounce off the bumpers. That's what happens at a kind of a generally rising market, the rising uh, tide lifts all ships kind of scenario. So, my client, I was doing some research this week for my clients in the luxury travel space. So, it's in a for, for a week vacation with them, it, it runs about a million dollars a week, 750 on the low end, million dollars <laughs> up a week. So, I told you- Dominic rolls in a world in. <laughs> I saw you join. Pay attention to Dominic. You need to know his customers here. So, so million they, dollars a week. Yeah. And you think in okay. terms of like now, like everybody else, they had to shut down a lot during COVID because just travel restrictions and borders closed and, yeah. you know, certain areas and islands in the Caribbean and Mediterranean all closed up and, and you know, whatever. But now that things are emerging, so we ran some numbers. So if you look at the travel industry as a whole, they were down by 50, 60%, depending on where they were as a whole. But there was one aspect of the travel industry that almost doubled. It was in 2019, it was 6.5 billion. In 2020, it was 12 billion. Care to venture the guess of who was benefiting in the luxury, ultra luxury space? Man, I have no idea. I would go gambling because people were all stressed <laughs> out. <laughs> probably right probably but the actual the reality was it was uh private yachting the industry went from 6 billion to 12 billion and you think and now that's including new builds for for yachts but it's a crazy that in 2020 a thousand new orders went in for super yachts so while people and and that's you know you you sit for a minute and think like well people were dying in 2020 and other people were recreating billionaires by the minute. In fact, there was another study that said that that like billionaires were being created every 17 minutes in 2020. That's and you crazy. think about there are people dying every couple of minutes in 2020. So it's just it's it's or seconds probably. So yeah yeah Oscars yeah mind blown right. So the the piece is is that you. There is opportunity. Somebody's making money somewhere. And so you just have to be aware of where that could be and how you could benefit from it. And the piece that, that's so critical that we started with is be patient, wait it out, see what does. And when something strikes you, it's not that you're going to be 100% right every time, but something's going to strike you. It's like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect opportunity for me. 
So yeah. it's opportunity everywhere. There was a guy, I don't know if you guys know this story. And for everybody just joining, this is the Make More, Keep More podcast. That's Dominic of Real Biz Advisors. I'm Ron. And um, we chat about all things money. But um, today we're chatting about what to do in a recession or a bear market. I don't know if we've officially hit the bear market. I have to look. A bear market, by the way, just so you guys know, is defined as a 20% drop in the market. So I kind of think we're there, but if not, we're pretty close. So the question is, okay, what's next? Well, here's a crazy story. Um, there was a guy once who picked up a huge chunk of downtown Houston back in the 80s. I think it was the 80s when the oil markets crashed and literally downtown Houston was a ghost town. Mm -hmm. Houses were abandoned, stuff was abandoned. So somebody went in and for like a hundred bucks a house. And I'm kind of butchering this story, but I'm kind of not. They picked up huge chunks of downtown Houston that, as you can imagine, when markets returned, those houses were worth a lot more than a hundred bucks a piece. But because the person had cash, had Access to capital, which is the number one thing that screws up people. They don't have access to money when they need it, liquid cash. Um, then they could jump in and see, like, I mean, what, how much do you need to know about the Houston real estate market to know that meh, if you can buy a house for a hundred bucks back in the 80s, probably a pretty good deal. By the way, the same thing happened in Manhattan more than once. Where real estate in downtown Manhattan, one of the most expensive places on the planet to live, has crashed and people have picked up homes 30, 40 cents below where they were at. So what I want to talk about, we got a couple of questions about, hey, should we liquidate stocks or move things around? This is my opinion. Um, and it's just that and it's, a, it's an opinion, but it's based on 30 plus years in financial services and watching the dot-com run-up of the late 90s, my business was called the Tax and Investment Advisory back then. So I knew a market crash was near when little old ladies would drive by my office in Vista, um, which is North County, San Diego. It's like one town that way from where I'm at, one town over and up um, from where I live now. And they see, oh, you do investments? I want to put all my money in Cisco. I want to take my CD money. These big <laughs> ladies in there, like 70s. I'd be like, do you even know what Cisco does? They're like, oh, I heard it does this internet thing. And I've heard really good things about it. I'm like, out of my office. You do not want to move your money into Cisco yeah. right now. This is like, oh, but yeah. it's not up so much. And I hear it on the news and they talk about it. That's a sure sign that the end is near. So now let's talk about it. If you're in the other side and you're like, oh, my God, I'm losing money. Hunter S. Thompson had a great quote. Which was, by the way, uh, ML Max, ask a question, put in the questions, put it over there, do it. We will answer it, maybe. But most likely, Hunter <laughs> Thompson said, buy the ticket, take the ride. So if you're 100% invested in the market and you're just now seeing a bear market for the first time, which really wouldn't be true because we had one in 2018 where the market dropped 25%. We had another one in 2020 where the market dropped 40%. But for some reason, I will tell you guys, this one feels different to me, probably because of the way the media is hyping it. But 
that's not the time to decide that you don't like the market. And so if you decide you don't want to like the market, you decide when the market's up to move some of your money over to cash, which I believe you should have cash equivalents at all times anyways. Time permitting, we'll talk about a couple of areas that I like to recommend and keep my own money in rather than just a savings account or checking account. We'll talk about a couple options. and um, But the idea is if you're in and your whole portfolio is down, you just got to write it out, my friends, yep. right now. Because you want to always be a smart investor. And a smart investor buys low and sells high. That does not mean you do drugs and before you or get hammered before you liquidate your portfolio. It means you actually sell for more than you bought or you buy high and sell higher. Ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just you don't want to liquidate at a loss and you don't want to, oh, hey, Mackenzie, and you don't want to have to be forced to ever sell while you're down, which is why you always don't want to have all your money in the, in the market at one time, because you always want to have access to cash that is not subject to market losses, because then you're not going to have to sell when the market's down. You know, and that ties right into with some of the conversations we've had, Dominic, over the last couple of weeks about mortgages and housing yep. and the same thing with housing. Don't put yourself in a bad position. You want to be like Charlie Sheen. If you guys are old enough to remember when Charlie Sheen lost his mind and he was talking about his tiger's blood and he's like, man, I buy win. I went on this hand. I went on that hand. And if you put yourself in a position not to lose, then all you can do is win. And y'all should be writing that down because that's some deep thoughts right there from your friend Ron. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the patience is everything right now. I think again, looking at where, where if you're invested in stuff and you made likely made some decisions to buy some stuff early on, <clears throat> whenever you bought that thing, you invested in that thing. It's because you did hopefully did some research, thought it was a good idea saw some things about that company that make a lot of sense. And so therefore ride it out because those things probably haven't fundamentally changed just because the market itself is, you know, there's, there's a, some sort of adjustment that's going on that may or may not be rooted in reality. And that's, that's part of what happens sometimes with stocks is specifically talking about stocks or heck even real estate. It's just all of a sudden people just don't want to pay a certain amount and you get this like mentality mob mentality that sort of just takes over and all of a sudden, there's this drop in the in the over the the investment itself. If you go sell that right now, then you're selling purely based on emotion, and you're moving moving you're handling your money in a way that has to do pure with emotion rather than any sort of factual basis. I mean, do we do I have some stocks right now that I look at? I'm like, ouch, that hurts. But then I go, yeah, but fundamentally, why I bought it was this, this, and this. And has that changed? No. Okay. Well, I'm just going to ride that out, and so. It doesn't. You gotta. You gotta understand the fundamentals of why you bought it in the first place and hang out with it because it's it's gonna have its moments where it's gonna be down. So um, the uh, uh, yeah. So sorry, I'm checking out the questions. All Sandra sending me some questions right now. Focus. But, Focus. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, Daniel, she's sending me the questions. I want to make sure. I sure. I want to give so the people me, what they want, Ron. <laughs> no, man. The people. No, it's what we want, Dominic. It's about our house. Oh, oh, is it? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. My kid wants Grinning. 
Um, I'm, you know what? We might even have Brennan on next week. That's my kid that's going to law school. That is not the barefoot vegan hippie love child. Brennan's stone cold businessman. But um, Brennan once, when he was like 17, he wanted to spend the night at his girlfriend's house. <laughs> like, no. But he's like, well, you don't understand. And he's like, don't you care about my happiness? <laughs> I, and I, I'm trying not to laugh at him. I'm like, Brittany, your happiness is so far down the list of things I care about. Your safety, not being a grandpa to, you know, you when you're set, your kid when you're 17, your future life, whether you're a nice kid, all that stuff is on my list of happiness. Your happiness, nowhere even close to it. Yeah. By the way, Warren Buffett had a great saying, which is when the tide goes out, you get to see who's been swimming naked. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's real easy. Um, there was another great saying, which is never confuse a bull market with brains. And so I want to break this mm. down, Dominic, kind of moving forward. I know we got some questions here. We'll get to them. And I know one of you's posted the question a couple times. By the way, someone talked about the palm trees in the background. I'll have you guys know it's like 55 degrees out here. <laughs> and I'm in a pair of shorts. It's foggy. There's kind of a breeze going. So, yeah, it's Southern California, but it's not always as warm as you guys think it is. So a couple things that will break the remainder of the conversation down into, Dominic, if it's all right with you. Yep. I want to talk about your mindset and your business if you guys have one and where the opportunity is laying, number one. And then I want to talk strategically about if you are overweighted in stocks, then what should you do once the market recovers? And even what I'm telling for a couple of my clients that are maybe finding right now that they don't have the risk tolerance that they thought they had. So, um, I don't know which one, do you want to get some questions first? Let's grab some questions real quick. Yeah, and then so, we're going to dive in for the bottom, for the second half of the hour here, because Dominic has to go right at 9am because he's on the digital marketer podcast. Does he invite his friend Ron to come with him? He does not. You know, I will get, like that. I will work on getting my friend Ron invite. I'm not sure why they invited me to be honest with you, but here we are. <laughs> so you. you speak, you speak, you spoke on the same stage a couple of years ago that Rachel Hollis was on when she was the it girl you know so. i that's true and then i actually got the really cool thing about in new york to speak right before gary vaynerchuk i was uh, uh glad i did not have to speak after gary vaynerchuk but it was awesome to no pack the room so i just assumed they all came to hear me and got surprised with gary vaynerchuk that's why there's so like, many people oh, in the room shit, might not be why there were so many people in the room but but it's all good so yeah i think if, if we want to hit do you want to hit specifics on investments because i think there was a mention about commodities and some of those do you want to do those first or do you want to come sure. back to those on the second part? Yep, let's do them all right so what's your thoughts on the question specifically from maybe emil max eight i don't know what are your guys thoughts on investing in uranium oil and other commodities right now so i was buddies with ken fisher no not ken fisher ken roberts wrong ken um, Ken Fisher's the guy that's like, annuities suck and I hate them and you should too. And then you read the fine print of his ad. He's like, well, actually, certain annuities are really good. He's one of the biggest annuity sales guys on the right. planet. And he's got a massive headline. That's terrible. So Ken Roberts was the commodities trader. Um, I think he got spanked pretty hard by the FTC, but he actually had a really good commodities trading system. So Emil, I know you put the question twice, but I honestly don't have an opinion on that, mainly because my commodities trading experience 
I had the absolute worst experience trading commodities ever or even investing in because on my very first trade, like a $300 trade, I made like six grand when I was in my 20s, which immediately made me think this was easy. There's nothing to this. And so I proceeded to lose many times that six grand over the next few months before I realized I don't really like trading commodities. And so there are huge amounts of money made in those markets, Emil, but I'm really not confident. Um, and even investing in them before a crisis, the macro trends would make sense on that, but it would absolutely be outside the area of my expertise to comment on any specific markets. And it would border on malpractice because I really, it's an area that I really don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm sorry you wrote the question twice. Um, and I'm really not one I'm qualified to answer because they're markets that I don't really pay that much attention to, except to say that I know a ton of people have made really good money for it. It wasn't the markets themselves. It was my tolerance for that, that I just realized I didn't have. And um, it was a lot of research, a lot of patience. And again, this was more the active trading, um, not so much the buying and holding, but I'm really not qualified to comment on any of that. Nor would I say that Dominic is either, if I can be so bold. Dominic is to yeah. speak for you. Um, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about about this stuff either. So anything <laughs> he says about it, don't listen to him on. He starts drinking sometimes early on Fridays. Oh, so, yeah. There you go. Um, so, there you, you go. know, I there mean, I wish some, somewhere, right, Dominic? I wish. I wish it was. Yeah. And thank you. And thank you, lovely CJP. You know what? We try, we try to keep it real here. And it's just, like I said, ML, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm really, like, do not listen to anything I say on that because it's wrong. Um, the only thing I can add to that, because I don't know anything about commodities, the only thing I can say is any investment, do your research. I mean, I know that sounds super basic and boring and, like, not like podcast worthy, but. This is truth. Do your research. And if you feel comfortable with it and everything points to like, this makes a lot of sense for you and your portfolio, then do it. And I think it's like anything of any other nature too is, you know, the guy is putting in the only thousand dollars they have into crypto is a bad idea no matter what crypto it is. So make sure that your asset allocation, which is an old, old school concept and it won a Nobel prize for a reason you know, asset allocation is important. Put your money in places that make sense. And that's the only thing I could say is if it's part of your portfolio, if it makes sense, you're hedging it in other ways, then and you feel comfortable with it and you're well-researched in that and know everything about it or as much as you can, then do it. But don't just chase a trend. And I think that's just general investment advice. That has nothing to do with, with, with uh, commodities. However, in my wholly uninformed, you shouldn't listen to anything I say, and my lawyer is probably twitching if he's watching this right now. <laughs> if you look at the macro tw- trends of what's going on with, yeah. you know, kind of war in rec- Ukraine and some of the wheat crisis that they might be seeing and some of the oil crises, Could it, be a might not be a, it might not yep. be a bad time to For invest sure. in that, you know, as long as it's money that you're comfortable with. Because particularly if you're doing com- on commodities, a lot of them get traded D on options meaning a tiny little bit of option premium can control a huge amount of wheat or corn or uranium or whatever. And those markets move fast. So you're highly, highly leveraged, which means a couple points move to the upside and you make a ton of money if you're long, 
couple points to the downside and you my friends will be selling your worldly possessions to to cover that so you know be careful there yeah. um i want to talk about something else dominic if you don't mind and then i want to jump into some business stuff but one thing that we've kind of danced around is what is an appropriate asset allocation mm-hmm. so again back to the disclaimer of everybody's situations are unique you know i had a client i met with yesterday that I was doing some tax work for. And I literally was like, look, I'm going to go on a podcast, you know, and, and post on Twitter within the next couple of days and talk about how you don't want to max out your 401ks because you have an un, you have a liability that can't be quantified because we don't know what tax rates are going to be in the next 10, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, except to know that the government's $30 trillion in debt, and 10 years ago, they were with $15 trillion in debt. And I posted this on Twitter, but to give you guys some idea of how massive that is, if a dollar is one second, and there's 86,400 seconds in a day or dollars in a day, $1 million is 12 days. All right? I want you guys to think about this for a minute. A $1 million is 12 days. A billion dollars is 31 years. Are you ready for this, Dominic? A trillion dollars is 31,000 years. So we're $30 trillion in debt as a country, which means we're 930,000 years in debt spending a dollar a minute. I mean, a dollar a second, excuse me. Dollar a second. We got 930,000 years to pay that off. So back to trends for a moment. Who can say if taxes are going higher, but they're going higher at some point? And probably not by a little, probably by a lot. And so back to like, what's an appropriate asset allocation, particularly now that we're in a bad market? Again, if you're 100% in crypto and stocks and you're getting your ass handed to you, then do not turn around and make the panic moves now. You wait, write it out until you're at least somewhere close to break even, and then you turn around and reallocate because you done messed up. Um, Particularly, and if you're not liking it, it's good for you. And by the way, this isn't even really like, if you guys were through 2008, man, that was some that was some crap. Mm-hmm. If you guys went through 2000, 2001, and 2002, that was a long, extended bleed that just sucked. You know, I mean, we just sat there like, is this ever going to end? But all of the overhead pressure had to work itself out of the system. And what happens is, is when you have markets crash like this, I'll get to what to do in a moment. But what happens is, People have all these different levels that they're like, when it gets to here, I'm out. So mm-hmm. as the market kind of bottoms out, it comes up a little bit. And then all those people are like, GTFO, I got to sell my stuff. And the price goes doop, right back down. Then those people all get cleared out. And then it's got to come up a little bit more. And all these people are like, when it gets to here, I'm gone. And then they clear it out. And it's got to do that a few times to just work all that, what we call overhead pressure out of the system, um, which is what we're talking about today on the Make More, Keep More podcast, which is, um, that's Dominic, a real biz advisor. has got to get the plugs in for you guys that are just joining us. But um, we talk about all things money. And today we're talking about what to do in a crap market. So again, I, I'm just like, it sucks. I know you should, if you needed to spend that money in three or four anyways, it shouldn't be in the market. 
I get clients like somebody this last week, Dominic, like, hey, and, and again, they're thinking well. But they're like, well, we'd rather just pay our property taxes once a year rather than having it taken out of the escrow. So where can we put it to get a you know eight or nine percent rate of return, <laughs> and and then just pay it off so we can make money? And I'm like, nowhere, don't do that because to get that rate of return, we got to take risk, and risk takes time. And the two worst markets in history lasted three years: the Dow market crash of '29, as well as the dot-com meltdown that it took a couple more years few more years to get back so there is always an end to it right but then we'll just reassess so generally what i recommend to my clients is take your 401k up to the match if you're in a really high tax bracket or a high state yes you can go more than that but as a general rule if you're even up to the 24 percent bracket i'm like that's a reasonable rate tax rate you're probably not going to be cheaper. Go ahead and pay the tax on it. Get it over with. We recommend and watch the follower count because you guys are going to think I'm nuts for a second. Don't jump off the call. You're going to miss some good stuff. But for instead of bonds in a portfolio, we recommend to our clients cash value life insurance set up properly. Properly as an asset class means that you put the minimum death benefit because the IRS gives you a ton of benefits with this if it's set up correctly. Now, absolutely, there's some flaws as well, too, which we'll cover in another thing. The fees are a little high in the early years. There's not a lot of accessibility to the cash in the first couple, three years. But hey, it's no different than if you bought a house. You're not going to instantly have equity in most markets. So, you know, it's not totally crazy. But what it allows you to do is get the upside of the stock market with no downside, none. Your gains are locked in every year on NX Universal Life Insurance. Now, you might not get all the stock market, but again, it's not to replace the market piece. It's to replace the bond piece. And it has Roth IRA tax advantages, meaning all your gains are tax-free if it's set up correctly. And you don't have to wait until you're 59 and a half to access it. So for a lot of my clients, again, a portion of their money goes here. It's what I do also. And now I actually have referred to that as an entrepreneur's IRA because you don't have to wait until you're 59 and a half to access it. So we can use it to fund business pro projects and, and, it, and it sits as cash. So in a market like this, as assets become available, and look, man, in 2008 and 2009, when we had a real bloodbath, a 40% market correction and a housing correction, and people just walking away from their houses, if you had cash, you could pick up all kinds of assets from stock market to housing to nice cars to all kinds of stuff for pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason we recommend it. And yeah, I get, I got, I have one troll in particular who follows me around on Twitter and is like, you rip people off. How do you even sleep with yourself at night? And it's like, God, that is such a low IQ take. And by the way, the guys that explained this to me, I spent three years fighting them and trying to prove that they were wrong, that life insurance was a scam, not if it's set up correctly. So again, it's not for your entire portfolio. It's to replace the safe money portion of your portfolio, call it 
40, 30%, 40% of what you're doing. And then 20%, you know, 40 is going in the 401k or like 20% should be brokerage for crypto, real estate investments, those sorts of things. So that's just kind of my thing. But my clients have the cash to in their policies, if they follow that portion of the advice, and not everybody does, and it's not appropriate for everybody, but most it is. So now they're like that guy, the meme of the guy hiding behind the tree, looking around <laughs> like, hmm, what am I going to buy? Because we can get our hands on that money in three days. Right. So that's my little rant, Dominic. Did you actually want to say something? I mean, this is our podcast. Did you want to get a word in? <laughs> no, I'm just mostly here for the eye candy. So it's, uh, it's what I'm, I'm <laughs> my, my role is in this podcast. No, uh, so yeah, I think um, uh, that was, it looked like a question may pop back up there. But no, I think. It, that, hold on. I'll get that one. Yep. Correctly means you are at the seven payment amounts or maximums, meaning there's a limit that the IRS sets. You're right at it. If you want us to take a look at that, just shoot out in the DM, say you are on the podcast, and I can take a look at a policy in two seconds and tell you if it's set up accurately, and if not, what we have to do to set it up accurate, accurately. And, um, oh, you got a fan. They said, your local crack baby says, you are so chill. <laughs> there you go. He, he actually is. Um, but anyway, so happy to take a look at that for you, but all right, Dominic, you can say something now, I suppose <laughs> yeah. I'll just sit here. No. And I think again, it, all of this is really good advice because understanding right now, again, I'll go back to that expression that my buddy, it's actually a guy named Mike RC, really cool guy does uh marketing for fitness studio. So if you have a fitness studio, that's, that's your man, but I don't know uh, Mike, but I know of Mike. I, yeah. I and he's super smart, great guy. And he was the one who said to me like, yeah, we've all been bowling with the bumpers up. And I think right now what you can do though, and it's again, great analogy for when the markets are up, most people are benefiting rising tide lifts all ships. You know, people tend to be doing pretty well and we can get this sort of uh, you know, cognitive bias or whatever you want to call it that says, oh, it's going to just keep on going, then I've done so well. And this is one of those market over the last couple of weeks. And, and, and then even some of the stuff that happened during COVID is partly as an entrepreneur, I look at it like, cool, bring it on because it's probably eliminating some of the competition. Not to be too harsh about it, but it is that is some of it because some people are not going to weather this well. So one, and I know you wanted to talk about mindset and probably maybe it's a good transition into it, but you know, understand you can still win in this market, but you have to look at things like what Ron just talked about that you may have heard something about, or you may have read a tweet that was negative and told you never buy cash value life insurance or whatever. And you got to look at those things because those are the things that will help you weather that storm, whether it's that particular investment or another type, there are things that will help you weather the upcoming storm. And that's, so that's the preservation side of it. So, so if you're joining us, they make more keep more podcasts. Now, a lot of times we talk about it's Bingo. keep more from a tax perspective. That's Ron's like specialty. I mean, he, one of his specialties is tax, right? So helping you save more money, but it also means keeping more money when everybody else is losing because of the market trends. And then you still at the same time can also make more money when the trends are down totally. because that's what we opened the show up. If you didn't join earlier, I shared a statistic. I work with a client who is in the luxury travel space, runs about a million dollars a week to do uh, a vacation with them. And we were doing some stat, stat, uh, studies this last week. I, I was training 15 of their sales and marketing people this last week on how to sell their products and all that stuff. 
And they were, we did some research together and they, we, the travel industry, for instance, was down by 50%, but the private yachting market doubled in 2020. So people are wanting the more exclusive things. And there were billionaires being created every few minutes in 2020 while everybody else was losing money. And and we heard all the stuff that was going on negatively in the economy. So keeping your mindset right, that there continues to be opportunities. And I see this all the time with entrepreneurs that I coach or work with is they get into this type of thing and you're going to hear no a lot more than you did before when you're in sales calls. You're going to have people who go, oh, I'd love to do this, and but I just can't right now. I just can't do it because of you know whatever, or I'm nervous to move forward. So you're going to hear that more often. It doesn't mean you're going to always hear it. And I'll see people just sort of give up on their prospecting efforts and their marketing efforts and their business because they're like, I'm never going to get any more business. No, no, put your foot in the gas and go. Like This is a good time to do it. But also reevaluate who's benefiting because somebody is benefiting. And so you can use that as an opportunity to say like, well, then how do I serve those people that are benefiting right now? Totally. You know, an interesting thing on that is, um, first of all, even if you're getting told no more, so let's talk about it from a business standpoint. This is a great time to grow your business, particularly if there is a recession. And look, I hope there isn't one. I can't speak for you, Dominic, because you're kind of a jerk sometimes. You probably yeah, do. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like that. Uh, but, but I hope there isn't. But if there is, it is a great time to grow your customer base because your competitors generally will run for the hills. It is a great time. I mean, look, I would have loved to have been in the banking business back in double E. What's happening, little dude? I can't Why hear you. you? Why aren't you in school, Double E? Why aren't you in school? I'm gonna go right now. All right. So you just wanted to say goodbye to Ron and me. Bye, Dom. Goodbye, Enzo. I love you. Bye. I'll see you. We're gonna go to Legoland as soon as I get back into town. Two months. I love you. Bye. I love you too, little guy. Oh, right. I think we need Double E on every episode. Every episode. You know sure. what? Um. They're so cute and then they're at size. I know. But anyway, back to this. This is a great time to build your customer list because even Dominic, like what Dominic said a couple minutes ago is, okay, you get told no more often. Great. Get those people on your email list. Get them on your physical mailing list. Follow up with them because the market will not stay down forever. Mm-hmm. Get them so that you can, when the tides turn and they're not scared anymore or nervous or whatever, or just in protection mode that you're the one that's been there the whole time talking to them and reassuring them and doing it. So now you're the obvious choice, man, it dropped like five degrees. Wow. Um, you're the one that's there. It's the same thing, by the way, if you know, Scott Adams has a great book. If you guys don't know who Scott Adams is, he's the guy that draws Dilbert. And it was kind of an interesting, he kind of turned political pundit and he was the guy back in 2015 that when Nate Silver of 530, a polling company, said that Hillary had a 98% chance of winning, Scott Adams is the guy who went on record that Donald Trump had a 98% chance of winning. And he actually had reasoning behind it and trends and things that were going on. Long before any of that, he's had a bunch of other businesses other than just doing the Dilbert comic strip. 
And one of the things he talked about, and by the way, this applies to everybody except Alessandra and Stephanie, our respective office admins, managers, whatever you want to call them. He's like, you should always be looking for your next job. You don't go interview for a job. You're always looking for it. And the book, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Succeed, is worth it if you read nothing but that far and it's like only two or three chapters in. So now's the time, if your job sucks, to go start looking for another one because if you can bring value to a company, you know, this is the time that they need that more than ever. If there is a true recession, this is the time to grow your customer list. And grow your customers because you have to know that your your competitors will pull back on their advertising and pull back and just sit and wring the hands and be scared. And you really need to tone down the media because the media will always try to scare the crap out of you because that's what sells. There was a comedian years ago called Richard Jenny, and he had a Showtime special in like 90 or 91. I saw him live a bunch. He was hilarious. Sadly, he committed suicide like about a dozen years ago. But um, he was a hilarious comedian. And he was like, why do they even call it the news? It's the bad news. And he made the joke, like, in Yorktown, people are dead. Let's go to Bob with the national news. Hey, Bob, how's it going? John, people are dead and dying and suffering. That's the media's model because that's what's that's what sells. And so, yeah, if World War Three breaks out, you should probably know about it. But your friends will tell you. So really make sure that what you're putting in here, you're being really careful and you're not buying into like, oh, business is bad. No, I got to be nervous. There's still guys placing orders for stocks. There's still I mean, for luxury yachts. Um, there's still people taking million dollar a week vacations. There's still people buying and selling. So yeah, a recession still means 85% of the people or 90% of the people are still getting up and going to work every day. And a lot of it gets created by the media. And don't assume those assholes on wall street have any idea what they're talking about. Cause they all run scared too. So, and a lot of the money, by the way, a lot of the market is driven by institutional money. So when individual investors freak out or pensions freak out, they go to their institutions to cash in. The institutions have no choice but to liquidate, which further drives the price down. It's nothing but a big emotional um, festival of misery. All right, Dominic, you can say something. Yeah, you you just covered about 14 different topics there, but let me go back to one of them (laughs) that we'll talk about. So hopefully everybody got got all that. Um, But the... I am more highly caffeinated than usual. I, I would have seen it would, I would, uh, I already texted Alessandra that I was like, I had a lot of caffeine this morning. <laughs> um, so what I, I, I want to go back to something that you said though, I think it was 11 topics ago, but there was one that you said something about the idea, um, of like what people want right now. So there's a buddy of mine out in the UK. I don't know if he's tuned in right now. His name is Brian runs a really successful agency focusing on schools, but he taught me this concept. He took like basically um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and turned it into a business format and said, what's the hierarchy of desire. And one of his pieces was to talk about the hierarchy of desire of what our clients want 
But then as he built it out, he goes, I also realized there's a hierarchy of desire of like, there's a hierarchy of desire of what we want and also what our clients want. So, and they typically are inverse to each other. So we want number one thing that we would love them to do is purchase something from them. Then the next thing down might be that purchase you know, something else. Well, yeah, well, yeah, we, and that's, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the rub. That's the problem, right? We, we keep going like, well, let me give another purchase. Oh, let me get something cheaper for them to purchase. And I see this all the time that we, we're not getting a lot of traction on our main product. So we roll out a cheaper product, but think about it. Here's the funny thing is when we think about cheaper products or, or customers that we work with, let's say we're in a service-based business getting retainers. The people who pay us the least are usually the biggest pains in the asses. Whereas the people who pay us the most tend to, while they may be demanding, tend to appreciate what we do, have a lot less hassle or whatever. So that guy who's you're paying you a thousand bucks a month versus the one who's paying you thirty thousand a month is vastly different human being, and usually treats you completely differently in a, in a good way. So we then then what we do is like, well, I'm not selling any products right now, so let me just make a cheaper product. So what you basically just said is, let me invite in all the people I don't like. Right. Into my fold. So anyway, going back to the hierarchy of desire, I wouldn't say yeah. So number one might be purchase. Next thing might down be, you know, well, if you won't purchase with me, will you at least meet with me? Well, if you won't meet with me, would you jump on a webinar with me? And then would you, if you won't jump on a webinar, will you jump on my live show on Instagram? And then and it moves on down the list of things that we would really like. But what's interesting is they're also attached to these highest amount of trust. For the somebody to purchase from you, it has to have a high level of trust. For somebody to join on an Instagram live doesn't take a lot of trust. Now, to stay on there for a while takes a certain amount of trust, and and to repeat every week takes an amount of trust. But there does it like the the uh, you know our social media follow takes virtually no trust because it doesn't cost you anything. So the inverse relationship there between what you and your clients want. So when you get into down markets, you have to understand that you may have to dial back your hierarchy of desire to match them. Because the market's tough, they're not going to race to purchase from you as quickly as they did before when the market was good. But that's okay. You just have to find a place for them to go. It may mean that you need to step up your webinars. It may mean you need to step up your live events that you do. It may mean that you need to go do more social media stuff that you're not comfortable with. And all of those things allow somebody else to enter your ecosystem, if you will, in a place that they can be really comfortable with. And so understanding right now that the market doesn't mean people aren't going to purchase from you if this thing extends, which, which we're not necessarily saying it is. I mean, who knows? It could bounce back in a couple of days. But if this thing extends for any length of time, you're going to see money tightening up. I mean, shoot, the Fed is trying to tighten up the money supply, right? So it, you are going to see m- money tighten. It doesn't mean it goes away. And that's like what Ron also was saying in there. And we talked about the beginning of the show. There are a, in 2020, there were a thousand new orders placed for super yachts, which is defined. It's kind of a loose definition, but anything over 80 feet with a, a full time crew. So you're talking serious boats. These are not. These are not. You know. Whatever, go, these are Kardashian. Boats. These are Kardashian levels. Russian, and on that, Russian oligarch boats. It, these are. Yeah, it is. I mean, and then think about that. Like. The, the luxury yachting industry is up right now. And Tranquility is the name of the yacht that the Kardashians love to, to, uh, to get on. It's sad um, that you would know that. <laughs> well, I work in that industry, so I have to, I have to know that. But I and mean, Dom, it, and Dom is a secret watcher of keeping up 
with the Kardashians. No, literally, <laughs> I I can say with with absolute authority, I've never watched a single episode. No hate against people who do. I mean, if that, I watch very little TV, period. But as Ron will attest, he asks me all the time, have you seen The Wire? No. Have you seen... Game of Thrones? No. Have you seen? I haven't seen anything. I don't watch it. Can someone but, explain to Dominic that The Wire is the greatest show ever? Yeah, you've done that for years, for no, no, 20 ish years. Jump in the cat chats right now and tell him what he is missing. So, All right, the point carry- being is, is those are run a million to a week, right? It's for those types of yachts, and people are buying them. So, um, but yeah, let me get back. There was a question. So, Juan Carlos, I, I mean, I'll, I'll start the fielding of this one, but Juan Carlos Perfect. Ayala. Asked about, so do you guys think housing will crash or at least home prices will go down soon? I don't want to punt on you, dude, but here's what I would suggest. There, we just did the, the last two episodes. They're on Ron's feed. If you go into his feed and look at the last two episodes, we had a, a real estate expert and a mortgage expert. The short answer, I'll teaser alert, they both said no, that the market is not setting up for a crash. Now, you could make an argument they have a little bit of you know, uh, vested interest, a little bit of vested interest to say that, but I think they gave some pretty compelling, uh, arguments for that. So I don't think we're probably going to see any major adjustment. I I think you will see a major adjustment in the next 24 months. Um, so, but you know what, that doesn't make me right. And my opinion is completely unqualified. I'm not a real estate expert. I'm just looking at how long, how fast it's gone up. And the fact that foreclosures are starting to rise, evictions are starting to rise, um, interest rates are starting to rise. And I think that um, that you will see a decent correction, a 20% plus correction. By the way, your local crack babies agrees with me on the wire. And now I've got some street cred because of my love of the wire. Yeah. So, but um, Juan Carlos, definitely go back. Dominic is right. Go back, look at my feed and watch those episodes. There was some good information. And again, we don't agree on it. And uh, one of us will be right, but time will tell. It may not be me. Again, I hope it's not me, but um, I might be. What else we did got, we get in the question? We got some questions about our book recommendations. And then oh. uh, lovely CJP said, maybe you guys can just compile a list. I think that's definitely something we can do. We I'll can compile a list, a list of some books. So I'll we'll get, we'll get a list for you. But I'll tell you what, definitely read The Pledge if you guys haven't read it by Michael Masterson. That's called Your Master Plan for an Abundant Life. It's great. Then um, I really like that Scott Adams book, Dominic. Um, How to Fail in Almost Everything and Still Succeed. I didn't love his um, his election breakdown stuff, Win Bigly, where he kind of went through the election and how Trump won. It was okay. It was good. He's kind of funny. But um, I loved How to Fail in Almost Everything and Still Succeed. And then he had Loser Think, and I, I just didn't care for Loser Think. And I really like Scott Adams, so I'm just like, eh, those were a little weak. But How to Fail in Almost Everything and Still Succeed is a fantastic book. Yep. Um, you got any you want to throw out there? Uh, the, the one that I love that I recommend most often to people is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And I think it's probably an appropriate book at this point for people when you look at market conditions being up and down. And it's a guy who who launched a couple of successful software companies, uh, more than a few <laughs> names you'd recognize, did very well for himself. It's really good books, really easy. It's a pretty easy read, but packed full of meat. Um, that one's just one that I, I love to tell people just, if, if you're going to read one book this year, just read that one. It's a good one. So, all right. 
I was going to make a joke about seeing the movie on Pornhub, but I'm not going to make that joke. Uh, get it? That is true. I had, you know, <laughs> all the times I've said that title, I've never thought that, but now that you say it, uh, that's awesome. Uh, sorry, mom, again, if you're watching, it was a joke. Someone asked me if a recession, this one just came across the feed here. And I know Dominic's got to go in three minutes because he's got a podcast with digital marketer. He's got some more important stuff to do than hang out with me and educate y'all. But, um, if you guys are just joining, it's the Make More, Keep More podcast. We do it every Friday at 8 a.m. Um, Pacific. It's posted on our, on my feed. I don't know if it's posted on your feed. And somebody asked if we were going to post it elsewhere. We're working on that. We got to get the audio stripped off and all that stuff. But Yeah, um, make sure uh, on this next one, I, download it and I'll get it over to me and we'll start doing that when you, when you end it. It doesn't give me that option. So yeah. we'll have to chat about that. Someone okay. asked if there's a correlation between a recession and the housing market. Not always. Ironically, there's generally not a correlation between the stock market and a recession because a lot of times Wall Street's trying to go ahead of that. And so um, they turn around and you'll see it priced in. So they aren't always correlated. However, this time it might be because what you had was the government interfering with kind of the natural flow of the market by suspending foreclosures, suspending evictions, and now that's starting to go away. So you might have a post-COVID recession along with a spike in foreclosures, which will drive prices down. But you know what? Who knows? And then Dominic, your local crack babies, who definitely thinks I'm cooler than you because (laughs) I watched The Wire, Wants to know if your podcast live is live or you're recording it for later. You know, actually, they didn't tell me. I have no right. idea. Uh, I think I think it must be uh, later because we're go- I'm joining them on Zoom. So my guess is it's recorded. They'll edit recorded. it up. So I will get it out there. If you guys, I mean, I well, technically, I sit on their board, so maybe I guess I have a vested interest. But if you are a marketing agency or business owner, digital marketer is a really good place. Actually, ironically, Ron is who turned me on to digital marketer way back when, and I've turned that into. Uh, into a quite the quite the relationship with them so they yeah, got digital marketers i think it's called agencies talk is their name of their podcast i don't think it's live i think we're recording it and then but i'll, I'll put it up on my instagram um when we have it uh when it when i know that there's an episode coming up beautiful hey it's the top of the hour so we will wrap this up someone just asked if i had read or either one of us had read ray dalio's book or mm-hmm. leo's book i have not but I will add it to the list and check it out. And then we'll sometime in the next few weeks be qualified to give an opinion on that. Yeah, I read the original one, but it's a long time ago. He's written a few. There's one, I can't think of the title of the the first one. It's pretty well known. It's called, it's like a one word title, like principles or something like that. That's, it's pretty good, but it's been a long time. So I, I can't remember. So. You can call me your local, the crack babies, maybe off putting to the, to the viewers. Dude, that's your name. We love you. (laughs) <laughs> lovely cjp you you guys are regulars man we like having you guys on. yeah for sure <laughs> anyway all right next week we will get a good title for you guys we don't know yet what it is dominic i'll see you in an hour on that yep. other thing go be brilliant for the um look the digital marketer guys and yep. i think it is oh look at that it's espresso o'clock time for another espresso by the way i only had two this morning Oh, that's a lie. I have three. So anyway, I think one more and I'll be set right with the universe.
Awesome. All right, guys. I hope you guys learned some stuff. We'll do it again next week like we always do. And then the one after that I think is going to be done from the airport because I'm fixing to head out of town for a little bit. So Yeah, I may be out of town for one of those too. So awesome. We'll do it. See you guys later. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much.